0: You're listening to Byzantine Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture in collaboration with the Melkite Eparchy of Newton. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and director of the Institute and host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things, the treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come and dwell within us, cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O good one. Welcome back, everyone, to our reflection on the Byzantine lectionary, here for the first Sunday after the exaltation of the Holy Cross. The gospel is given to us today is the miraculous catch of fish from the gospel of Luke. So let's jump right into this really with a theme of freedom here in chapter 5, verse 1 of Luke. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1. But as I am constantly reminding you guys and my brother's constantly mentioning is that a text without a context is no text at all. So (laughs) jumping in here to Luke chapter 5 verse 1 and this theme of freedom we want to make sure that we're seeing what's taking place what jesus is doing in this miraculous catch of fish in the context well of the entire gospel message but especially in in content in the context of chapter 4 of of luke so we're going to take a look at that too so let's go right in here chapter 5 verse 1 chapter 5 verse 1 in fact before we read verse 1 or at least as it's given to us in our lectionary the text in our gospel passage that is proclaimed in the church gives just the first few words of the the first verse. And I think it's important for us as we're looking at the literal historical context to make sure we've got this. That is that while the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, and then our gospel text picks up. Because without that, you don't understand why Jesus is doing what he's doing. Uh, He's getting on a boat to get out in the water because it's just too many people. And uh, my brother and I, Father Sebastian, have, have gone swimming in this, in this same area. And it's a, it's a beautiful spot in the Sea of Galilee. And so um, we're going to try to kind of paint a bit of a picture for you today. So here we go. At that time, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats moored by the lake. But the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, the one that was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And sitting down, he began to teach the crowds from the boat. But when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and lower your nets for a catch. And Simon answered and said to him, master, the whole night through we have toiled and have taken nothing, but at your word, I will lower the net. And when they had done so, they caught a great number of fishes, but their net was breaking. And they called to their comrades in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had made. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now on you shall catch men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left all and followed him. Father, I had mentioned to you the importance of the context here to our participants, how important it is to get in that habit to understand the gospel passage we're looking at. In a broader context and it takes a little bit more work but it's well worth the work because then we're going to be able to understand what jesus is saying a lot better so if you could give us that context in the gospel of
1: Luke, so yes while we're looking at this story we hear the details it sounds a lot like the story of the calling of matthew and uh, sorry the calling of the disciples peter andrew james and john in matthew and mark mm-hmm. But those callings happen at the beginning of Jesus's ministry before the crowds start to follow. And that's why it's so important to have read the verse that you had read before there. The crowds are all around him. Uh, the reason why we might connect it to that story is because there's washing of nets and they've got boats. And we might be thinking of the story in Matthew and Mark as a moment when they abandoned their nets and their boats and they just took off and walked off into the sunset with Jesus. But as we read the rest of the story in Matthew and Mark, as we've discussed, I think, in earlier studies, they stole their nets. They stole their boats. And this story here in Luke's gospel, in fact, is not set at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. We hear about him already living in Capernaum, Capernaum and living in Peter's house. This is up in chapter four, in the previous chapter, in chapter four, verse thirty-eight. He was in Peter's house there, right across from the synagogue. So, and this makes sense, of course. He's called the disciples. He's gone up on the Mount of Beatitudes. He's preached to them. He's taught. He's gone down to Capernaum. He's living in Peter's house. And now, this is maybe weeks or so later, crowds are now starting to form and follow him. And then he gets into a boat, it says, um, and they go out off the shore. Off the shore, which, as we remember from our trips there, is a stone's throw from Peter's house. He had beachfront property as a fisherman. So the the story here is placed a little bit after the initial calling, and then Luke's gospel continues on uh, with the rest of the Galilean ministry as Luke tells it to us.
0: You know, of course, the, uh, uh, Lake Gennesaret. Just so we're all on the same page, Lake Gennesaret is the Sea of Galilee. And so when you're, you know, when you're, it makes a lot more sense when you're there because it really is more like the size of a lake than we would normally consider a sea. This is one of the names for the Sea of Galilee, is, is Lake Gennesaret. and it's it's important, you know, and encourage our participants, especially our Bible study group down there in San Diego. I know we got Father Peter over there in Phoenix. Hi, Father Peter. I promised you at lunch today I would say hello, so here's your hello from our Bible study. It's really important to use. The tools that are available to us. Okay, so you can get on Google and you can do a, a very quick search for these places and you can get a good perspective of like how far the Mount of Beatitudes is from Capernaum. Um, make sure you know where Gennesaret is, make sure you know the, what, what it's called, why, you know, and so forth. And as you said, the area where this happened is literally a stone's throw, so it's right down, it's just south of Capernaum, about, um, you know, a few hundred yards really. And that area, and I'm going to try something here. I'm going to share my screen. This is the northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And this is, of course, the Jordan River coming in here, which then, which if if I had the southern part of the Sea of Galilee, you'd see it too, where it leaves the Sea of Galilee and heads down south eventually to the Dead Sea. But here's the town of Gennesaret, which is why the area is called the Lake of Gennesaret. But here's Capernaum or Capernaum, that uh, where Jesus spent most of his time, this is where Peter's house was. And Chorazin and Bethsaida, we remember from the gospel passages that Jesus just loved to preach in this area. It's commonly called today the evangelical triangle. Most of Jesus' ministry of his life is right in here. And of course, along the edge here, all the way down to Magdala, where Mary Magdalene was from and so forth. And we've said this many times, when he crosses over the sea, he's crossing over this middle demarcation line where the Jordan River is, he's crossing over here to the territory of Philip and the area of the, Ger- the Gerasene. I hope you find this helpful because if you can get into the picture of what's going on and kind of stand there, even better if you can go swim around in the lake, uh, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're getting into the place and seeing it. And so, and that's why I read you those first few verses, the, 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 uh, crowd pressed on because he had, if you just look a few verses before, you'll see he's healed Peter's mother-in-law he healed the demoniac in the synagogue, which you can look up again on Google. It's all right there and the crowds. And then it says he's, he was going all over the area he was preaching in the synagogues and so forth. And so he's going all over the area and the people are coming to him to be healed. And there's so many, at one point he can't get out of Peter's house. And then they have to rip the roof off, and then here he says, get me out on that boat so that I can I can be able to talk to the people from from out there. So th- that's kind of the the geographical context in which this is all happening. And you know it's, it, it, there's there's much to say here, much to meditate on about about trusting in the Lord, about the exhaustion of the fishermen and uh, and also our evangelical work. but there's an easy connection, obviously to the calling of the apostles to be fishers of men, even in this this time of, of difficulty. And yet the catch is so so large that they need help, which is also another great point to meditate upon, but that the ministry of Jesus Christ is not solely for, for you or for me or for your priest or for your deacon. That's for all of us. And we have to be really in this work together, sharing the, the work of Jesus Christ to kind of bring in that, that net of fish But I don't want to get too far into that because that's more for your homily for your priest on Sunday. But to focus on one other aspect here, which I think is is important to remember, we've mentioned it before, and that is this last bit about them leaving their father and following him. And it seems as though they've kind of abandoned their father. I think there's sometimes a misconception here. And, And Father Sebastian, you mentioned this point before about how to properly read this text. And what Jesus is really calling us to when we meditate upon this, this calling of the, the apostles and our own calling in our life. And what is really calling us to and to do with our life, to abandon everybody, abandon our wives, abandon our homes, abandon everything, and kind of walk out into the desert wearing Birkenstocks with braided hair, you know. So to, uh, you, I know you've got a good insight on this.
1: So what this is, the same thing we're seeing here is what we saw in that earlier story, like you mentioned. In Matthew and Mark, we hear about the calling. Jesus calls them from their boats, their washing nets. We know the story. Even John James, their father, Zebedee, is there. and It says they they leave them, they left everything, they left their boats, left their father, and they followed Jesus. But as we talked about before, it's not in the way that we might think. Think of that. And it's the and the evidence of that is here they are later on again in Luke's gospel. We're hearing about later on. This is an episode which is certainly days, if not maybe weeks or so later, and they're washing nets and they've got their boats again. They're out fishing that night. So what was going on here is that they didn't they didn't abandon their boats and their father in the sense that we would think. But what the authors are trying to tell us, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are trying to tell us, is they they left everything in the sense that they no longer looked at the world around them the way they had before. The, what happened is the world around them was transformed. Their job, their boat, their house was all transformed into something, an instrument through which Jesus could work his ministry in the lives of the people around them. Peter's boat no longer becomes a thing simply for catching fish. He's going to need to catch fish still. He's got to feed his wife there in the house. And what are they going to be eating every night? They're eating their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So they've still got to get food and things like that. So Peter and the others, they'll go out fishing sometimes at night. Sometimes during the, Jesus is off doing something, preaching. They go, a couple of them go fishing. And so they will continue to fish. But the purpose of all the things they're doing, Peter's house is no longer simply a, a fisherman's house for a fisherman and his family to live in to make a good living doing fishing. Peter's house has now become the the center of Jesus's Galilean ministry. It's the place where Jesus sleeps at night, typically. It's the place where in the morning Jesus leaves and they go off on their next foot. It's where they come home at night and sleep. Peter's house is now Jesus's house. Peter's family is now Jesus's family. Peter's dinner table is now Jesus's dinner table. Peter's meal is now Jesus's meal. The, Peter's boat out there at the beach and his nets, they're now Jesus's. Everything Simon does now is in some way related to the ministry of Jesus and to forward that. So what we find is that they don't abandon, they don't leave their families, their houses, their jobs, their careers. But rather, their whole life is transformed by the presence of jesus in into an instrument a tool a thing through which we might even say a sacrament through which jesus now works in the lives of those around them
0: you know this theme this theme of freedom uh in christ is so important you know i was this i was mentioning chapter four and when jesus is in nazareth he, he goes to his he, he goes there, he returns, uh, this place where he had grown up, and he goes to the synagogue and rolls the scroll from Isaiah, and he, he announces the, the Jubilee year. He announces liberty, freedom, as the kind of beginning of his ministry. Some would see this, I think reading this today, in all fairness, it's, it's that here they left everything, they abandoned, they just, they lost everything. To follow Jesus uh, wasn't so much freedom as we would normally consider it, but but kind of like almost this slavish bondage and um and i and the reason this is why i asked you that question father i think it's important for us a corrective for us today that that we have as as modern americans often has a false notion of freedom um, and that is freedom as independence we oftentimes see that in our american society that freedom independence these are the these are the, this is the great uh, right of the american people um, but it's a false notion and one we have to be careful for as Christians, that freedom and so-called independence are are falsely joined here. That authentic freedom is not independence. Authentic freedom is simply dependency upon the right things. We are a dependent people by nature. God made us this way for a dependency upon him and upon one another, as we see in in, in the gospel passage that the the work could not be accomplished without one another. We are made dependent because the whole life of the Trinity from all eternity has been a life of intercommunion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we are made in that image and likeness. Our freedom is found not in some sense idea of independence, but our freedom is found upon proper dependence, dependence upon God. And life apart from our dependence upon God is is not freedom from Him, but it's, it's actually a form of slavery and dependency to a false god whether it be whether it be money or whether it be drugs or whatever it might be uh, where we're finding happiness apart from the lord so it's this is so important as we have this theme this this sunday of, of of authentic freedom in christ that we realize what that means that i i bring my whole life back into communion with him and therefore back into dependency upon the one who is the lord who is the king of the kingdom, which I willingly enter, especially in the midst of the divine liturgy, when we sing, blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This We intentionally enter into this reality in which my whole life enters into communion with him and therefore dependency upon him. And notice also something very beautiful, that the Lord, in, a, in one of the most beautiful of all mysteries is the mystery of his love for us in some fashion, allows himself to become dependent also upon us, who are his hands and his feet. Now, he doesn't run an end run around us. No, he invites us to come in and participate in the salvific work which he comes to do. Uh, And each one of us participates in this beautiful way. And the Lord, in some sense, waits and becomes dependent upon us, as he did with, with his mother. She must say yes, in order for this great mystery of the Incarnation to take place. And we must also say, yes, Lord, um, I bring my whole life to communion with you. Now, through all of this life I have, through my home, as Peter did, through my boat, through all of these things, your ministry will now take place. So it's such a, a beautiful point about our life and about what we are called to as Christians, that we are no longer bound by the law. And being freed from the law, we come to true life, not independence not a lack of generosity but the fullness of generosity because god is the fullness of generosity god is love and he's come to share his life with us and that is to transform us into his life and into his love and his love is everything he's poured out his life no greater love hath any man than to give his life for his friend uh this is the this is the incarnation of the uh, of, of god himself who has poured out His life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, from all eternity. This is the life that we are invited into, to find authentic freedom in Him, which involves authentic dependence upon Him, and a remembrance that all things that we have are from Him and for Him, and to be offered back to Him. And in this act, the Christian truly becomes remade in the image and likeness of god truly we begin to live freely god's life as i said his life is love and when we do that we discover a wealth which the world has not known and on that day on the sea of galilee the brothers peter and andrew and james and john left all and they gained the most valuable thing in this world and that is eternal life. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Byzantine Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.